0: When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at AlignerHealth.org/ortho. Soy Emanuel Reynoso y estamos escuchando Song of Top
1: Dunes. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson. I'm joined by Callum Williams. Cal, I smoked a lot of meat this weekend. It was a marathon at my house on the Traeger Grill. Shout outs to Nick Bisbee, uh, who got me into that uh, Traeger lifestyle. I made a porchetta roast on Saturday in order to be prepared. We are having people over on Sunday. So that was 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. I worked on that and then I took it off, I shut it down, I fired it back up and then I had it all worked out with the game on Saturday night where I trimmed the brisket and then the game started. I let it warm up to room temp for an hour. At halftime, I went upstairs, fired up the Traeger, took 15 minutes to warm up. I put the brisket on, came back downstairs, watched the second half, uh, wrote my recap and then at about 1:30, 45 I checked the brisket, spritzed it. I went to bed for like three hours. I got up, I spritzed it, and then I went back to sleep for two hours. And I got up and then finished it off at like 2 p.m. People came over. It was uh, it was wild. It was I. I I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little smoked out and not in the way you might assume uh, at this point. Uh, how was your weekend, Cal?
0: Well, first of all, Steve, uh, yeah, I think I saw some of your pictures that you put up on social media. It, it looked wonderful. Uh, so well done to you, because I'm sure it tasted lovely as well. That's a serious commitment, that is. Uh, so well done. Um, I wondered where you were going there when you opened up with, I like, smoked a lot of this weekend. Um, <laughs> but um, you you do you. Um, no, it was I, a game I, I against some Portland, bits. you
1: know, Portland and Oregon, you know. Like <laughs> so it's, but no, anyways. No, no, no,
0: no. Um, yeah, no, I mean it was just just work, Steve. Just um, you know, just just with three games in seven days, it was just a lot of work. And um, I actually, yeah, uh, I, I tweaked my back on uh, on Saturday morning, actually, um, which has become a bit of a pain, actually, and meant Saturday during the the broadcast. It, I, I got to say thanks again to the the backroom people, the um, all the production staff, because they were great in terms of. You know, it's, it's that awkward bit, you know, just sort of underneath your shoulder blade, where it's, it can be difficult to take deep breaths. Yeah, I've just got the heat pad on it now, and, and so so that's the reason I bring that up is because essentially that's what I did on over the weekend. I did the game on Saturday evening from our studios at Allianz Field, and Sunday, uh, and a large portion of today, to be honest, I've just um, <laughs> just sort of had heat on it and and trying to sort of prepare for you know the next uh, couple of days after this. So. Uh, you know, yeah, just laid low, really, mate. I mean, the the game was um, w- was was fun to do for sure. And um, like I said, it was it was slightly unpleasant given the the state that my back was in. It was in bits. So, uh, but hey, <laughs> you know, I think this is just a sign of me getting old, to be honest, mate. You know, um, so I have <laughs> yes. just gotta. But I didn't do anything particularly strenuous, you know. So um, I, I still, I'm just sort of trying to figure out how I did it. But anyway, um,
1: yeah, it doesn't get any better. Uh, the older you get, I just, I mean, like I. I wake up sometimes, I'm like, did I twist my ankle in my sleep? Like, what happened? Like, right. it's, it's just, <laughs> that's just how it is these days, so.
0: Yeah. So that's not, That's literally all my weekend was, was trying to figure out how I did this and how I get over it. So mm-hmm. uh, here we are on uh, Monday afternoon, and my back's still a little bit sore, so uh, I think mean, I'm just going to put it down to getting old, Steve.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um. So uh, Euro uh, 2020, we're recording this on Monday at uh, 3.35, which I think... Ten minutes ago, Karim Benzema scored a ridiculous goal uh, for <laughs> France. Uh, have you been uh, following along with any of the action recently that you want to uh, bring to our attention?
0: Yeah, I mean, just watching as much as I can of the Euros and Copa America. Uh, there's still some domestic football going on in Brazil as well, so I've been keeping up to date with that. Um, obviously, the Gold Cup is around the corner, so... Um, it's, it's just great to watch, Steve. You know, it really is. The international stuff is just some of the best football in the world. And, and it's just so lovely to watch. It's so pleasing on the eye. Um, and then we're very fortunate that, um, you know, we've got NLS on in, in the evening as well. And I, I think I, I might have mentioned it on this very podcast a while ago, Steve. I, I do think, really, I really do think that we are so fortunate to be in this time zone while there's stuff going on because it's literally soccer every hour of the day. Yeah, it's sensational. You can find stuff anywhere, and I, I you know, I'm sure you've gathered by now. I'm, I'm a bit of a football nerd, so I will watch. <laughs> I will watch anything. can yeah. To the point, you know, I, it's it's sort of uh, still going on, but um, it, it's um, it's it's coming to a, uh, the end of the season now. I, I would be up at um like eleven o'clock midnight, just in bed with my phone out, and I'd be watching a live game from South Korea or Australia or something. <laughs> you know, I just. Uh, it doesn't matter to me, you know. It's just it's live football and it's great. And I think because we obviously we didn't have any for such a long time, it was just so nice to be able to now to be able to just watch as much as we have. So, so it's great. It's great going from you know Euros in the morning, a um, bit of MLS in the afternoon, a couple of America in the evening, more MLS in the afternoon, and and then. You know, as I said, you've got some of these other, other domestic leagues that are still going on in, in um, Australia, in Brazil, in, in South Korea. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is uh, full-on soccer fest right now, Stephen. That's why I love this time of the year. It's great. It's absolutely wonderful. But the Euros have been great. Um, you know, for me, Steve, on a personal note, all eyes are on, on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, uh, England, Germany. Mm. Uh, it doesn't get any bigger than, than that for, for Englishmen and women uh it doesn't get any bigger than that um in a, in a a knockout tournament game um you know to play germany you know we don't like each other anyway um but to to do it and um, in this uh, at this stage of the tournament to do it in any tournament really is big but but given the way that both teams have played recently as well to get to this stage i must admit i am um i'm very excited i i don't usually um I don't know why I've been like this, Steve, this tournament. I've I've been really nervous um, approaching most of the games. The Czech Republic game for England, not so much, because we'd already essentially qualified um, for the next round. But certainly the Scotland game and the opening game against Croatia, I was very, very nervous. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm 31 years old, but why am I nervous about, about my, my country in a football tournament? You know, and I'm too old for this. But it... it um, It'll never go away, will it? You know, it's just if yeah. it's something you're passionate about, something you love. I Manage your country as well, you know. So, um, so I I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get tonight, given the fact that I've I've been um, rather difficult. Uh, bless my wife; she's the most patient person in the world. Um, you know, for the opening game against Croatia, and then the Scotland game because that's a big one as well. England Scotland's, um, mm-hmm. and and they hadn't played each other in a tournament for 25 years so that that was a big one for sure I know the game disappointed but the occasion itself was great Um, so yeah I'm just looking forward to the the game against Germany Steve it's it's going to be huge and I'm, I'm, I'm I'm already starting to get nervous talking about it, um, but I'm uh, <laughs> I'm very very excited for sure.
1: Excellent. Yeah, uh, I've been meeting Cal. I need to get you out to my five year old's soccer game. If you just if you truly love the sport, you want to come mm. down and do a little play by play for her game uh, sometime. <laughs> that would be that would be fantastic. I've been doing my part on the you know the sideline, so I'm just I'm out there like craving half a yard and the, you know it's like it's all 5 year olds and they don't know what they're doing at all but it's well, uh, doing, yeah. yeah it's pretty great so <laughs> there's another mom who was like the her kid was like I I was on offense the whole time I was like well you know Good, an good offense starts with with defense. You know, you got to defend from the front. And the mom was like, "Yeah, is that true?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's 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 a good time. My older daughter's uh, uh, games; uh, she's nine, are a little more like. I mean, it's like a, a neighborhood league, so we're not talking about. Um, great players necessarily. Uh, but it's fun to watch the kids play. There was, I was not, I missed it last Wednesday because I was at the game, uh, the Minnesota United game uh, doing my job and my wife was at uh, the, the five-year-old's game. And there's one kid on her team who's good in the five-year-old sense of like, he just grabs the ball and goes and tries to score. Um, but he is, he, is, he is talented, it seems. And at one point she said he was just like, these people are useless. Like he was bemoaning the state of the other five-year-olds. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> What can i say it's uh they're five uh they don't know what they're doing they stand in goal they forget that they can use their hands it's you know it's uh <laughs> it's, it's kind of silly but but it's fun it's fun to hang out uh i'm going tonight for practice uh it's it's a good it's a good community thing and and that thing of this is where it starts you know like these you know again most of these kids are just gonna they're gonna play soccer and then they'll grow up and whatever but like they might become soccer fans because they're like i played there. Yeah. I was playing soccer so all right let's talk a little bit about. Uh, The game versus Portland. Uh, You mentioned this on the broadcast. I believe uh, this is only the 34th win by a visiting team. Is that right? Is that correct at Providence park? And it's actually Minnesota's second in a row because they won uh, Mm -hmm. the season opener in 2020, which feels like it was a million years ago, but um, you can't, you can't really overstate, I think, how big a win at Providence Park is, uh, even, you know, a 1-0 a win. And in some ways, maybe even especially a 1-0 win where the goal was in the second minute, which was I had barely even sat down, you know, to like do, you know, I had sort of uh, I run for right now. I'm, I, I do the match day tweets, um, which some if people follow me, you may realize because sometimes I tweet things out from. The match day tweet account that is mine <laughs> i have to quickly delete <laughs> things and anyways it's it's complicated it's it's a complicated operation but i i just it was like kickoff and it was like minnesota united oh okay here we go uh there's a goal it's two minutes in yep. so that, that was really fast <laughs> but you know it's, speak a little bit to that you know you've been to providence park i've been there it is a, a tough atmosphere it was 106 degrees there um it's just a, it's just a big place to get a result it's huge for any team
0: it is yeah and, and look the, the timbers weren't at full strength that they obviously were missing one or two players uh but so were minnesota united mm-hmm. um so uh anytime you go to um providence park and you get a positive result i i don't ever See a negative with it, um, you know. I, I, again, if you would have offered a draw to me uh, prior to the game, I would have snapped your hand off. No problem. So uh, to get a win there is is I I, I um, said I thought it was a statement win, Steve. And and what I mean by that is in terms of as you just insinuated, not many people win at Providence Park, and for Minnesota, not only was it a win on the actual day and the occasion, but it when I mentioned statement win, I meant it in terms of the way that the season has now turned around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for me, I thought that the worry that seemed to be upon people when Minnesota went 0-4 was, was too premature anyway, in my opinion. People have, teams have bad runs in a season. It just so happened ours was at the start. Um, but I think the fact that it was a statement win because the whole group has come together. Um, there's a bunch of new players that have been integrated very, very quickly. Uh, They look comfortable with each other. Um, And I think the fact that it's now six unbeaten is the real reason why that was a statement win. Because I think a lot of teams now in the Western Conference are looking around going, ah, right, okay, this is the Minnesota United we expected to see. I think it just took a little longer for things to click than people thought it would originally. Um, So, I mean, look, Fragapane um, did ever so well to, to pick out Unu. Uh, for the goal, um, I, I think we've all seen players in Pane's position there strike towards goal. Um, I thought he was very unselfish. Went across to Unu, um, who we are quickly learning uh, gets himself in some really good positions. Um, he's been wonderful off the ball. He plays off the shoulder very quickly. Um, not not as as quick as I originally had had thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but he his movement off the ball has been great, and it's caused so many problems already for the teams that Minnesota United have come up against since he's arrived. And um, I think now we, we even mentioned this, I think on on the broadcast, if, if not on air, certainly off air. That I think now we're starting to to really get a glimpse of what we're going to see moving forward now, at least for the this this season, um, and, and and we're we're even going to get even more of a an opportunity to see even more quality when uh, Robin Lourdes uh, returns as well. So whenever that will be. So it's, um it's exciting time, Steve. It really is. Uh, and, you know, next up, it's, it's San Jose, which I'm sure we'll get to later on, uh, who uh, are not having a great time at the moment. And, and I, I think you and I have always said we were back just about, I think you were back Minnesota United against just about anybody at Allianz Field at the moment. So, um it's exciting time, Steve. But the the game against Portland was was a, a deserved win. No doubt the Timbers had their chances as well. It really <laughs> it really should have been a scoreline of about four three at the end, shouldn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. you know, Valeri had a couple of openings, if didn't have a great day in front of goal for them. Williamson forced Miller into a couple of good saves. But at the other end, the two saves from Steve Clark were spectacular. Oh. Because oh my god, the, the, the first one, <laughs> the first one, Steve Unu is is legitimately on the cusp of the six yard line, and so what Clark does is he just dives to his right, expecting Unu to just hit the ball towards goal, which anybody's going to do in that situation, and it goes in. But Clark just dives to his right, sticks a hand out, and he makes an unbelievable save. And then the second one, to deny Nico Hansen as well, there's a goalkeeper who I'm sure our listeners are aware of, called Peter Schmeichel, um, back in the day for Manchester United, and uh, Aston Villa for a little bit as well. Um, <laughs> and, and he made... The second save by Steve Clark was really introduced by Peter Schmeichel back in the, the late 90s, where you, you sort of make yourself as, as wide as possible. Um, but also you have to be careful that the ball can't go through your legs. So you sort of place your left knee in the middle. You stick your right leg out and you stick both arms out as, as wide as you can. One high, one low. And you do You try and make yourself as big as possible. And that was the sort of save that Steve Clark executed against Nico Hansen. Because I think um, in most situations there, Nico Hansen scored mm-hmm. and, and honestly really should score. But it is such a magnificent save again from Steve Clark. And, um, you know, credit where credit is due, Steve, because he was sensational. He made so many really good saves. But those two really stuck out. And um, I, I think if if Minnesota would have would have left Providence park with a point or, or even a loss. I think uh, you would have looked back at those two moments as being defining moments in the game for sure.
1: Yeah. Cal, I was for sure concerned basically when he made those two stops because Portland didn't really have anything going on. Again, there were good, uh, Valeri looked dangerous, but you know, when, when, I mean, Valeri is an incredible player, but when he's just sending in shots from outside of the box like nothing's happening for them. Like if one of those had gone in, I, I would have been like, take your hat off. Great shot. Um, but it was it, there. It, they weren't resulting from a bunch of in, interplay or anything like that. It was sort of like, it felt like Valeria was like, well, you know, Blanco's not here. <laughs> like what, what am I going to do here? So I'm just going to, I'm just going to hit it towards goal and, you know, hope for a mistake or hope for, to get it into the corner. And when Clark made those two saves, I sort of felt like, this might galvanize, you know, the timbers, like, cause he, I mean, that's, he, he sort of hopped up and was like, he was pumped up to have made those saves. And I thought maybe that might be like a turning point for them. It turned out they just, you know, they didn't have it, um, uh, on the night, but man, yeah, Steve Clark was, uh, was ridiculous. Um, I, he's one of those guys where I'm always shocked. He has so many tattoos. I shouldn't speak. I guess I have tattoos, but like he's got a lot of tattoos, um, which is, uh, he just doesn't appear like he's going to have a lot of tattoos if you see his face. I don't know what that means, but
0: I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Sorry, <laughs> Steve. I'm, I'm, um, I'm slightly gasping here because um I know by the time this podcast goes out, this won't matter, but um <laughs> Switzerland have equalized against France. It's now three, three in the 90th yes. minute. Um, and uh, the, uh, the Euros have just been so unbelievably entertaining for me. I know They've <laughs> been wonderful. They <laughs> really, really crazy. have. But anyway, going back to Steve Clark. Yeah, yes. look, I mean, he, he's, he's a bit of a German goalkeeper. Obviously, he came over here originally um, with the Columbus crew. Uh, I saw, I can't remember who, somebody put out a really uh, hilarious tweet that made me giggle, um, suggesting that he was the most important goalkeeper in, in Tim, Portland Timbers MLS history because uh, of, of those saves and because of his performances with the Timbers. But also, when the Timbers won MLS Cup in 2015, he was playing for the crew, and I think it was within the opening 90 seconds, the ball came back to him, and it slipped under his foot and went in, into the back of the net for the Timbers in MLS Cup final. Um, so I can't remember who, who, who put that out, but whoever did, uh, that may be giggle legitimately. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a good goalkeeper. Obviously, he, he spent some time with DC United as well. Um, was in Denmark with with uh, Horsens and uh, in Norway with Hjelmslev. Uh, so he's a well-travelled goalkeeper. Um, I, I think he's he's obviously a, a legitimate starting goalkeeper. And um, you know, I think um, I think the Timbers of I think the Timbers can get another couple of years out of him for sure. And, mm-hmm. and then they'll they'll go from there and just see perhaps. I know that they'd used five goalkeepers this year, by the way. Yeah, um, because of injury and what have you. I, I know they like Ivicic, the, the Slovenian goalkeeper, uh, who's thirty, I believe, thirty-one, maybe. I, th- I think maybe they look to him next. But um, yeah, look, Steve Clark has um, has had a good career, um, and I I don't know this. Um, I don't have this, the repertoire of Steve Clark saves in front of me, but mm. I, I would assume those two saves that he made there uh, would, would probably be somewhere near the top in terms of the say that he's made in his career for sure.
1: Yeah. You were, uh, you were saying the, uh, you know, sort of the statement win element of it. I mean, I was, I was thinking about that as I was you know sort of working on um, uh, preview stuff and sort of game prep stuff that we, we've talked before about this idea of like what's the point during the season at which you can sort of say like, okay, this is who this team is. And you had said sort of halfway through, I had said maybe a third of the way through. Um, I think that, it, this also comes in that range of of I sort of feel like games 10, 11, 12 are, are, are a couple of games where it's like, what is this team going to become? You also get a sort of sense. And, and, and so, you know, like success really early. It can sort of be a mirage, um, six, you know. Obviously, for Minnesota United, struggling early can it just sort of happen. Um, but when you see the team playing together the way they are now, and then consider the addition of Robin Lud coming back, because you see, you really see, especially in these last two games against Dallas and then against the Timbers, um, Fraga, the the interplay between Fragapane and Reynoso on the left is so dangerous um, and they're doing so much over there that it's pulling defenses all the way over there, which is giving Nico Hansen some space on the right. And I think Nico's a great player, but I think Ludd is going to be an even better player in that position as as a guy who really cuts in, is comfortable on his left foot, um, you know, taking shots, has played, Uh, in a nine role, has played in a 10 role. You know, he's done a lot of different stuff. I think he's just a really smart player. Um, And so I think that we saw against Dallas, like Nico getting some opportunities, not quite being able to make the most of them on that right side when stuff had sort of shifted to the left. But once you have Lud back on that right side, you have Metner overlapping, you have Gasper overlapping on the left. Like, it's going to be pick your poison. Like, what are you going to do? Because if you, if you have to try to shift to the left to stop Fragapani and Reynoso, they're going to move it to Lud. If Ludd and Reynoso are interplaned, they're going to move it to Fragapani. It's like, it's going to be really tough for teams, I think.
0: Yeah, it's I, honestly, as we, we've said so many times before, mate, it's, it's just going to be um, a real. Nuisance uh, and a real pain in the backside for people to deal with, and yeah. and, and particularly with with uh, Adrian, Unu's movement off the ball as well. Um, it, it's yeah. going to be really difficult for people to contain this team um, when they're in full flow. Um, I think the, um, the 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 one thing which I quite enjoy about this, let, let's just call them the attacking four right now mm-hmm. at the moment, the the three behind Unu as well, um, is the unpredictability um, that they are. Um, You know, usually, right, I I, I think in, in this league in particular as well, you've got certain players who I think are quite predictable. You know what to expect, you know what you're going to get from them. But I think right now, because everything's so fresh and so new, it is about as unpredictable as, as Minnesota United have ever been from an attacking perspective. So I think right now that's causing a lot of seems a lot of problems. I think that'll die down at some stage because eventually there'll be scouting reports on them and how to deal with them and, and yeah. what their preferences are. But but right now let's let's take advantage of it for sure. So um I love uh, as as you mentioned the the inverted nature of the wide players now, um, mm-hmm. because Minnesota have the players to do it. I agree with you that whilst Nico Hansen has has been a uh, a really good sort of off the radar signing um, because he came in amongst the likes of, you know, the seasoned vets like Will Trap and um, and uh, just just uh, before the round Abula deal got done and what have you, um, you know, I I think he offers a lot for Minnesota United and uh, he's 26, you know, so I think if he plays his cards right, he'll be with the club for another four or five years, you know, and, and, and he'll be a good option. Um, but once once uh, Robin Lord returns to the team. Um, we have seen how effective he is as an inverted winger on that right hand side. Um <laughs> it, it's going to be um it's gonna be like a domino effect when Minnesota are pushing forward. You know, players are gonna be cutting inside, Reynosa will be pressing, Anti Anu will be pressing, the fullbacks will be pushing, um I'm going to assume Shino Dotson will be joining in the attack as well. That that's a, a very, very attacking-minded group. That's mouth watering actually. Um, when you think about the possibilities of it. So, um, again, Steve, I, I seriously think this is by far the best team that Minnesota United have had. Um, with that comes the expectation, which is, which is fair. I, I still am of the opinion that the team overachieved last year, getting mm-hmm. to the Western Conference final. Um, but I think with, with this group, um, it, it has to be. You have to get to the playoffs. You have to absolutely... Get a home playoff game i think so um that they are spectacular to watch in full flow and as i said earlier on steve i would back them against anybody on um on, on home field against uh, against anybody i really would so i'm excited for this saturday against san jose um but the good thing is as well now is that i think minnesota united over the last three games it's you know one win and two draws no losses on the road i, I think they are becoming more comfortable on the road as well mm-hmm. Um, and there is a similar style now to, to the way that they play on the road um, and at home, whereas usually that's not the case uh, in this sport. So um, I'm excited. I really am. I, I think this is such a good group. Uh, I think uh, the Boxall have offered such solidity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Tyler Miller has given Minnesota some consistency as well. So the whole group, Steve, the whole group um, were impressive against Portland. Um, and, and I'm just excited to see where they are, let's say, in a couple of months' time.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, touching on that, they're fun. They're fun to watch, which has not always been the case with Minnesota United. I mean, and not even just from a wins and losses perspective, but just they play some really attractive attacking football when they're in the attack. I mean, it's great to see. You know, you can really see multiple guys between, especially Unu, uh, Reynoso, and and Fragapane right now. It's not just one guy who's trying to position himself in the lines. And it's like somebody positions himself between the lines, gets the pass, defenders move, somebody else goes between other lines there's a lot of interplay and you get the sense that you're just seeing the start you know of what could, what could happen there with those guys which is exciting to think about when when Lyd comes back as well i've also been i've really been impressed with the trap hassani combo uh in in the midfield like i think that we've seen um i don't think i don't think trap struggled out of the gate but i think that um it, because his game is is predicated a little more on um, sort of being the, the general back there, like sending balls forward. He's not like a bruiser, like like an Ozzy Alonso or one of those guys. He's not a destroyer, but he can read a play. He can stop it. He can get it going back the other direction. I think as the team as a whole has sort of picked up a little bit as we saw Debasi come back on the left and sort of provide some of that, you know, solidity in the back line. You've seen Will Trap get to be a little more creative with the ball and you see Hassani Dotson being able to be a little more aggressive going forward um because there's more consistency behind them and um and it's been really fun to watch Will trapp has been 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 great again as a holding midfielder appreciation society uh, i just don't I still don't have the button but it's it's still in effect
0: yeah look I, I think will Trapp got um a little bit of criticism when he first came in um I, I i don't know why necessarily i i don't know if people um saw what he brought i don't know if people assumed he was going to be you know a, a tough tackling type polling midfielder um i don't know i i don't really know why people were as critical as they were when he first came in um i think he's a good passer of the ball um he's proven there was there was one tackle it was at uh dallas away um whenever on earth that was um a couple of weeks ago and and dallas were pressing and and, and breaking will trap Ran uh, as fast as as he possibly could back and threw his body in front of the ball and and, and was happy to concede the corner in that situation. Um, I think Wiltraps is a good distributor. He's good with the ball at feet. He can go short. He can go long. He can go direct if he needs to with the overlapping fullbacks. I think that probably suits Minnesota um, when the fullbacks are pushing as high as they are. Um, and I, I think it's okay. I think he's a good transition player. Mm. Um, and I think I think he's been okay. I, I I never um I never expected him to be a you know massive world beater um, but for for someone who who was played so long uh, for Columbus Crew who were consistently a playoff team um obviously you know last year was difficult with with Miami but you know they got in the playoffs as well which is hard to believe but they did mm-hmm. um and he, he's just he's somebody who is very experienced and. Somebody who I think is calm on the ball, his positioning off the ball has been really good as well. Um, so I think we one some of these players that does a lot off the ball that a lot of people don't see. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't seen any data on him this year, Steve. So I, I don't know what his sort of passing accuracy is or anything. But I, I don't remember there being a time when I think when I thought to myself, you know, perhaps he should have gone short there as opposed to going direct or whatever. You know. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, good, good pickup. Um, and at twenty eight as well. Again, if he plays his cards right, he can be with Minnesota for the next five years if he really wants to. So it's it's another good piece of business by the club. Um, and I, I, fully expect him to play 30 plus games this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's already, he was, he and Boxall and Gasper, are like the, they've the iron men of the team so far played every, every minute basically possible. I think did trap may have come off very late against FC Dallas.
0: I think. Yeah. We, we mentioned, I think it was Kendrick perhaps mentioned that was all, all three of them, but it, it is only two, it is only yeah. Boxall and Gasper, but, um, yeah, look, it, either way. Close, I mean yeah. yeah. It's, it, it is close for sure. And, um, Will Trapp will play a lot of football this year, (laughs) for (laughs) sure.
1: Yeah, no worries there. Uh, So speaking of other Ironmen that we're uh, not going to necessarily get to see for the whole season, in a tremendous bit of great news from Michael Boxall, he's going uh, to play for New Zealand, uh, you know, as as, as the Olympics are coming up. Um, So on the one hand, congrats. I mean, that's it's amazing. You know, there's some some quotes from him talking about, you know, he's he's getting to the point of his career where he's got to think about like, this might be my last chance to sort of go and play, uh, you know, internationally. On the other hand this is terrible (laughs) Boxy is like, I think we've given him a lot of love on this, on this uh, podcast. And I know that there are people out there who appreciate him, but I still think he's underappreciated what he has done for the team, being the captain for a lot of games, um, you know, being a leader on that back line, just being steady as they come, uh, you know, being threatening occasionally going forward, even, you know, he's threatening on set pieces. He's physical. He's, he's mean. I mean, he's a nice guy, but man, that, He checked Tanner Tasman to the ground, which wasn't great. So, like, he just brings so much to this team, and I think the team's going to miss him horribly when he goes.
0: Yeah, so first of all, as you quite rightly said, Steve, congratulations to him. He's going to go, for those unaware, he's going to go to the Olympics as one of the three overage players. So the way it works with Olympic soccer is that it's usually, you you have to be 23 or under to, to go and play. Um, that that's the way it's been for a while, um, but you are allowed to take three over-aged players, um, and obviously they, they have to be over the age of twenty-three. So, um, which is great that obviously Michael Boxall is is well thought of enough to be amongst that category, but also Steve, if you if you look at the other two players that are going in as over-aged players as well, Winston Reid is the other one. Um, just another player who Michael Boxall has played centre-back with in his career. Um, I'll get to those numbers in a bit, by the way. Um, And uh, Winston Reid was promoted to the Premier League with with Brentford. I know he had a short spell in MLS with Kansas City, Um, but he's technically a Premier League player now. Um, I think he's still contracted by West Ham United. Uh, And the other one is is Chris Wood, who is a perennial goal scorer in the Premier League for Burnley. So the fact that the, the coach of New Zealand has picked these two players out and said, well, actually there's somebody who I think is probably playing as best as they ever have at the moment, which I completely agree with. And they've gone with Michael Boxall, which is great. So, um, And I agree with you as well, Steve. You know, Boxy is, what, 32 now. Um, you, you kind of, at that point in your career, I'm sure he's wondering, right, this might be my last chance to play in a major tournament. Um, you know, I, I, we, we don't know that, but, but it, it very much looks like that's the case. And, and so quite frankly... Uh, I'm delighted for him. Um, you know, they they have Honduras, South Korea, and Romania in the group. Um, we've seen the Honduran team uh, up against uh, the, the US, uh, the US team that failed to make the Olympics. Uh, they're decent. South Korea have got some good players as well. There's a handful of them uh, that operate in the German Bundesliga. Uh, and Romania, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure what the roster looks like at the moment, but my my point right now, Steve, is that um, there's a chance that New Zealand could get through this group stage yeah. and could go on for a couple of more couple of more weeks. So right now, we don't know how many games Michael Boxer will potentially miss. Um, it could be um, four. Um, it could be as many as ten um, because of the quarantine needs as well. So. Um, this could really be an issue for Minnesota United for sure. And, and whilst I'm thinking about it as well, Steve, I've said it on commentary a few times now, but again, just I'm going to say it again just because I, I, I have to reiterate this because I, I've personally never seen this before. Since Michael Boxall came to Minnesota United mid-2017, in Major League Soccer, he's played alongside eight different centre-backs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In all competitions since arriving mid-2017, he's played alongside 11 different centre-backs. I've never heard of that before in this period of time. Yeah, and for somebody to remain so consistent and to be as good as he has been, I mean, credit where credit's due, Steve. He, he's been immaculate, and I completely agree with you. Underrated in big old capital letters. So um, he's going to be a big miss for Minnesota, no doubt about it. Um, and I wonder what the group are now going to do. Obviously, there's depth in in the roster. Do they look at Brent Coleman? Um, do they perhaps? I think we, we've seen Yuka Raita there as well. Um, I, I don't know what they do. I really don't know what they do. Um, do they perhaps look at adding somebody short-term? I have no idea. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that Michael Boxall is going to miss at least a handful of games for Minnesota United. We are thrilled and we are so happy that he's playing in the Olympics. But from a, a selfish perspective, <laughs> it's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, like there's there's uh, movement afoot for getting some green cards for some of the international players, um, which you know opens up some international slots. Maybe you can get a guy uh, again in the short term. Um, you know, not necessarily your center back of the future or something like that. Although that's another thing to consider, as you've got sort of your center back core is all in that thirty plus range, um, you know, who's going to come in there and and be that center back. They do have, uh, you know, Callum Montgomery has been loaned, uh, which they can't necessarily cancel that. They can't like, there's not back and forth uh, with that, but there's, there's always things that could be done if, if, if stuff, if stuff needs to happen. So, uh, so we'll keep an eye on that as that comes up. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Align Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24 seven access to your records, test results and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alignahealth.org ortho. Okay, real quickly, I looked up Will Trapp's numbers, his, his passing percentage here. He has an 86.9% passing percentage, um, which is overall fifth on the team, but uh, easily first uh, for anybody who's played at least like 500 minutes um and he's had 527 passes and the the people above like Patrick Wea has a 100% pass percentage he's he played one pass um <laughs> you know Jacory Hayes has had 76 he's at 90.8% but you know Will Trapp you're talking about 971 minutes 527 passes a pass percentage of of 86.9% um so he's he's doing tremendously from 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 a number stance there um I'll throw that out there uh okay I think we've discussed that. That's fine. Okay, a couple news items. Uh, I wanted to check in with our old friend, Christian Ramirez, who's been confirmed to be Uh, transferred to FC Aberdeen or Aberdeen FC. I can't remember which one it is. Um, I know that... From back in 2017, like going to Europe was something that Christian always wanted to get a chance to do. He's getting his chance now. Um, what do you think of the move? Where? Tell me about. I know about uh, you know uh, Celtic and I know about uh, Rangers. That's about as much as I know. Um, so where does Aberdeen sit in terms of uh, Scottish football?
0: Well, as you said, Steve, uh, Celtic and Rangers are, are at the top uh, of the food chain there, and, and that'll always be the case. Um, simply because of financial backing um, and the size of the football clubs um, that they will always be uh, the top two going for the title. Um, Aberdeen. um, So Aberdeen are uh, an interesting club because um, for a long time, Steve, they they have sort of dwindled in sort of mid-table mediocrity, really. You know, they've not been too much. uh, There hasn't been too much concern. Um, From time to time, they may have finished... You know, fourth and, and got into the Europa League or something along those lines. You know, it, it's been fairly drab for Aberdeen over the course of of the last sort of twenty years or so. You could argue, um, but uh, recently um, they've they've gone on quite well. They've been very good, and and um, I don't think they're in Europe this season. But again, they had a very good year uh, compared to previous years. Um, they've just got a new manager. Stephen Glass, who was the Atlanta United two manager, right. um, and and so we, with this kind of signing, Steve, I actually put it out on social media. It wouldn't surprise me if we see similar deals like this done um, before the SPL starts again, because Stephen Glass is obviously very familiar with Major League Soccer, having having been with Atlanta United for I think it was nearly three years, so he's familiar with it for sure. And I, I read the the report on on the uh, Aberdeen FC club website and. Um, I think Stephen Glass made it pretty clear that once once a center forward was was identified as an area of need, Christian Ramirez was immediately a priority. Mm. Um so that's great to, to Christian for sure. Um I I'll be honest, Steve. Um, you know, the, <laughs> here's one thing I will say. this isn't this big European glitzy glamour move. Like right? this is not, you know, when most people dream of, of a move to Europe and they they dream of playing for... Manchester United or Barcelona. This is not that move. But what it is, is it is a step into European football. And if he does well, uh, who knows where, it, where it'll where it lead to. But um, it, it's an opportunity for him for sure. Um, I think he's going to do quite well, Steve, because his game hasn't changed since he was really here with Minnesota. He still plays quite well off of the shoulder. Um, I don't think he necessarily relies on pace. Um, the one area that, that I am really interested to watch is how he copes from a, a physical aspect. Because um, if he thinks Major League is physical, <laughs> he's, uh, he's going to have a shock when he goes and plays in Scotland. Um, you know, you go away on a Tuesday night to Kilmarnock or, um, you know, you go and, and play at a smaller club like St Mirren or St Johnston or someone like that. You know, all these are clubs that are sort of no-holds-barred from little towns on the outskirts of Glasgow or um, in the middle of the country or what have you, you know, when the football team means everything to the community, you know, the, the five or six thousand people that live in that town will be in that stadium watching that game. Um, so, it's I think it's it's imperative that he adapts quickly um, and I'm sure he will. Um, uh, but, I, I look, I mean, I was already sort of looking forward to watching Aberdeen this year, actually, Steve, because um, I've got certain, certain allegiance to, to, to Celtic because of my Irish roots, but, um the uh the, there's a celtic legend um who has just left after about 15 years of playing uh, in paradise um and uh, he's he's called scott brown he's a midfielder um God, how, how many caps i think over 100 caps for scotland you know he he mm. was um no holds barred no-nonsense type central midfielder. I'm sure Holding Midfielder Appreciation Society would absolutely get <laughs> along with him very well. Um, he's just become Stephen Glass's assistant manager at Aberdeen. And he's a, he's a player assistant manager as well. So I think he's going to play a couple of games as well. So um, it, it almost feels like sort of a dawning of a new age for Aberdeen, really. I'm not going to sit here and suggest they're going to be title contenders or whatever. But again, if they can get into the top four, if they can uh, get into the European qualifying situation, then that'll be great for Christian Ramirez. You know, what a what a great experience that will be. Uh, to go and play in the Europa League away, um, you know, in Sweden or something along those lines. You know, that would never happen over here. So, again, it's great for my life experience as well. Um, But finally, Steve, on on Aberdeen, um, as I said, they've been sort of a non-entity really over the course of the last 20 years, up until literally last year. They are the club that, um, prior to Manchester United, they are the club that essentially made Sir Alex Ferguson famous in Scotland. So they are the club that he took charge of before he went over to Manchester United. Mm. Um, they won the, the European Cup Winners' Cup, which is uh, the Europa League nowadays. They won the league, uh, dismantling Celtic and Rangers, which I think has only happened a handful of times since the nineteen sixties in Scottish football. Um, so they've got history; they really do. And and I, you know, I know a couple of, I know one or two people there from a distance. Mm-hmm. And the suggestion has been that that they are trying to, they, they, as I said, I, I don't expect them to challenge Rangers or Celtic, but if they can become a regular uh, fixture in the top three and four, then then I think that's successful for, them for sure. And maybe if they go and challenge for the Scottish Cup or what have you, know, their version of the Open Cup, mm-hmm. um, then then that will be successful. And, and um, you know, I think it'll take a couple of more additions. I think... Um, You know, if if you look at what they have right now, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if Stephen Glass once again dips into the the MLS transfer market. As I said, he he tends to know that league quite well now. So, um, But like I said, Steve, I don't want to be disrespectful. MLS is a better league. Um, It it just is from a a footballing perspective, from um, facilities, um, stands and fans, uh, fans and stands rather, um, everything. It's a better league, MLS is. But, you know when you've got this opportunity to go, when you've got a chance to go and play in Europe and, and Christian's 30 now, um, I don't blame him for taking it at all because a chance like this might not come up again. So if he goes over to, to Scotland and plays a couple of years, um, I, I have no doubt at some stage he'll end up back in Major League Soccer mm-hmm. or, or you know maybe USL at some stage. You know uh, He can score goals. That, that's, that's been proven over the years. So he'll be a very handy acquisition for Aberdeen and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him.
1: Yeah. Well, it's always fun when, you know, a team that, you know, hasn't, like you said, has been a non entity or hasn't done much sort of takes that step to be like, we're going to, we're going to try to grab this opportunity and, and push up the table. You think about Toronto FC, right? Who were woeful for years and years and years. And then it was like, all right. We're going to to take this seriously. We're going to make these acquisitions. We're going to do this. Uh, And then, you know, I mean, obviously, they were doing terribly this year. But overall, it's a good look. I think it's fun to have teams that, uh, you know, just shake things up. Again, Celtic. Rangers like you said probably staying at the top there but you know the those third fourth place finishes um are are worth are worth something to Aberdeen. I think that Christian is um as you said he's he scores goals he's his game is not predicated on a wealth of of speed or um you know sort of he's obviously athletic but not athleticism or anything like that it's or or, or height or size exactly. He just has a nose for the goal and he's like one of those guys where I could see him being a guy in MLS or like you said, USL at the age of 34 or 35, who is like still with teams and able to come in off the bench and give them goals at the end of games and, you know, do that kind of stuff and still be a, you know, a positive contributor for a team. So, so that's great. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure he'll enjoy trying Haggis for the first time. We've talked uh, food before, but, uh, (laughs) Uh, hopefully nobody actually has to try that. So let's let's touch briefly on San Jose uh, uh, coming up this week. Uh, basically, I just want to—you alluded to it earlier. Um, Minnesota United has always handled San Jose pretty well historically as so long as Almeida has been the coach. Uh, Adrian Heath was sort of one of the first coaches that seemed like to sort of crack, uh, some of the code for how to play against their, their man marking scheme. they sort of very aggressive scheme, defensive scheme. Um, and has had a lot of success against San Jose and right now San Jose look terrible. They've not won in the last seven games, um, six losses in a tie. They've been outscored 15 goals to three during that time. Um, is at what point is Almeida on the hot seat? Cause this is one of those things that like this came up last year when they, they had stretches where they were not doing so well. And I saw some people on social media, you know, opine if he was an American coach, he'd be out of there by now, but he brings this sort of international uh, coaching experience. He brings sort of the, the uh, foreign coach air. That's like, he does something different. Obviously when it's successful, it's super compelling and it's fun to watch San Jose, but at what point are the questions starting to be seriously asked about, like, is this the right fit, or do they need to go somewhere else?
0: That's an interesting question, though, Steve. Who 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 was it suggesting that if he was an American coach, he'd be out
1: by now? I wish I could remember. I'm saying this was like last year, so I don't know who who it was. Who I saw? I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. it was even anybody who knew anything. Um, but it it feels a little right to me in the sense that I think Almeida brings kind of that there, and this is true in a lot of different uh, games and not just because of obviously in other, in other, in other sports, it's like, there's not that same sort of a, a court, a foreign coach brings a certain sort of mystique or something like that. But if a coach has like a thing, you know, like Almeida has his thing of this is how he wants his team to play. It, it, there seems to be a little bit more of a willingness to be like, well, the thing has just got to kick in. It's not, it's not, Working right now, but it will. Whereas like if a coach is sort of like I'm just the coach uh, then and if, but he, you know, Almeida has a vision and so it seems like that's maybe given him a little more cushion to continue.
0: I think more than anything it's Steve, it's it's his big old contracts probably given a bit more cushioning but um, (laughs) um, I think right now it's obviously not going very well for them. I think Florian Young um, has not played particularly well this year. Do you know the biggest thing that I've seen from San Jose this year, Steve, is the lack of, of output in terms of um, from an attacking perspective? Um, you know, Lopez and Espinosa are either side of, of the forwards, uh, who, who's traditionally Chris Wondolowski. Um, and we've, we've got a glimpse of Cade Cal, the young American, over the course of, of the last six or seven weeks as well, who looks to be a really good prospect. Um, but if you go back and, and look at the lineup for the game against the Galaxy, it's a midfield three of of Remedy Judson and Minnesota native Jackson Yule, which is fine. That that's that's okay. But I I'm not I don't know who in in out of those three I don't know who is the one who joins in the attack because they're all deep lying midfielders. I don't know which one would would be tasked to. To push forward with Lopez and Espinoza and, and, and let's just assume one again. Um, that could be a bit of an issue for them, uh, not to have any output from the Syndrome midfield. field. So, um, again, I, I expect them to be quite direct. Um, you would assume, um, Yule will drop and dictate and be direct with his passing. Um, um, I'm going to assume, let's see, like, Shay Salinas maybe will, will be at full-back. Um, you know, maybe uh, Paul Marie at right-back maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they have enough about them right now, to be honest, Steve. Um, Marcinkowski, I feel sorry for the goalkeeper because he's actually a good shot stopper. I'm just not convinced with the players in front of him. Alanis, the centre-half, is is fine, but I, I don't think he's anything special at all. Um where Minnesota have to be careful is, as I said, I, I think they will they will allow Yule to, to drop from time to time and he will dictate and he will play direct balls forward for um, fullbacks for Lopez and Espinosa. Uh, but if Minnesota limits the ball at, at Yule's feet, if they limit the ball at the feet of Espinosa and Lopez, um, I'll be honest, Steve, I don't know what, what else they have. They, they are quite limited. Um, at least from a personnel point of view. So um, I, I don't want to sort of say that I expect a comfortable Minnesota United win because, you know, Minnesota unbeaten in six. The Quakes haven't got a win in seven. It, it would be typical of this league for San Jose to come and win at Allianz Field, wouldn't it? So, um, <laughs> you know, but but on on paper, Steve, yeah, I I expect a, a very comfortable Minnesota United win. Um but sometimes that's just not how this sport or this league works. So we'll wait and see. But um, right now, I think this is a very limited San Jose squad.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the the mention of the of Jackson Ewell and sort of allowing him to, to dictate being, being a possible problem. I mean, it's one of those things that it's hardly rocket science, obviously. But um, I feel like when I was watching Minnesota play Austin and we found out before the game that they weren't going to have Alex Ring uh, in the yes. lineup. You really saw that. And it really just reminded me of back at the MLS's back tournament, um, Adrian deploying Hassani as a sort of advanced destroyer of the deep line playmaker and how, how well Minnesota did when they could contain that guy on the other team. And then Austin suddenly not having Alex Ring, um, I think changed the complexion of that game a lot. And as you're saying with Jackson Ewell, it's like if, you can, if, if Minnesota can key in on that and stop plays developing that far back, then I think that's, that's probably their best route to success.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be again. I'm assuming Kasani Dalton will start. Um, if he if he does for me, then then I would make sure that he's on the on the toes of Yule a lot um, when Minnesota are, are out of possession. Um, and if they can stop that direct pass, then then I think they've got a, a very good opportunity. But like I said, Steve, again, that um, there'll be other avenues for them to get down down uh, down the wings. Lopez and Espinosa are very good players, but but like I said, apart from that. Um, I think they are quite limited to how they get the ball to the centre forward, and um, you know maybe um, Almeida wants to make a change or two after the result against the Galaxy, and um, you know maybe we see Kay Cowell again. I don't know, but yeah. um, like I said, for, for me, Steve, um, I, I don't want to uh, to jinx this, but but I just can't see anything else <laughs> other than a very comfortable Minnesota United win at Allianz Field.
1: Yeah, I think my biggest concern at this point is that if if San Jose were cruising the way and playing the way that they like to play, again, I feel like Adrian Heath has has shown an ability that game plan for that. If they're in a little bit more of panic mode and they want to try some different stuff, um, and like you said, again, with Minnesota unbeaten in six, if suddenly there's just some element of the unbeatenness that it goes South somehow. And that there's, you know, they, they, they face a San Jose club that's a, a little more desperate and they've gotten a little complacent maybe. And San Jose tries something a little different. It might be a little, it might be, the story could be different, but again, as you said, who knows, we could talk all day and then it might just end up being a totally different kind of result than we talk about. That's this, is, this is why we, this is why we cover MLS, right? So, <laughs> Exactly. The, the, this is MLS. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us for the 150th. This is our 150th show. We didn't do anything special. Oh. But there you go. Wow.
0: Well, congratulations, mate.
1: Woo, I would set off some fireworks, but I don't like fireworks because they scare my dog. So uh, thanks for joining us for the 150th Sound of the Loons podcast presented. We'll do it up for 200. I said that. We'll do it up for 200. Uh, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. Apologies as always to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you. Exactly as you are.